Welcome to the Fabulous at 50 podcast, where we are changing the aging narrative. I'm your host, Joanne Newadak, and I'm thrilled to bring you stories that matter and celebrate your place in the world. As an advocate for lifelong learning, health, and women's empowerment, I believe it's never too late to live the life you've always imagined. Through lively and informative interviews with inspiring guests, we'll explore a wide range of topics relevant to our global sisterhood of vibrant, inquiring women just like you. Join me for today's episode and let's start changing the aging narrative together. Hello and welcome to today's episode. We have such a meaningful topic that we're going to talk about today and I'm thrilled to introduce my guest. But first, I just want to share how we first met. It was a number of years ago through a mutual friend and we met for lunch and this woman was just such a kind, beautiful woman and she had recently lost her husband and my heart went out to her because it it was a difficult time. And then I was over the moon to meet Janet again just this past year. She has been on such an incredible journey and now supports other people in their journey as they say goodbye to a loved one. She has become an end-of-life doula, and she's here today to share what does that mean, what does that entail, and and to be open and vulnerable with her own journey. So Janet Pile, welcome, welcome to today's episode. Thank you so much, Joanne. Thank you for having me and inviting me into your space. This is just a, a terrific opportunity. I appreciate it. Well, I I so appreciate you being here. And I I really do mean it when I say like my heart just swelled when I saw you um, within this past year at a networking event. In fact, I didn't recognize you at first. I was like not putting the pieces together until you started talking. I went, oh my gosh, I do know you. We met several years ago. And 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 what I understand then is, you know, you had you had lost your husband. And now you have transitioned to supporting others through this similar journey as an end-of-life doula. So why don't we kick off the show just like asking you, first of all, what what is an end-of-life doula? I'm sure there's people out there that do not understand what that is at all. So I'm going to let you share that. Absolutely. So an end-of-life doula is someone who supports the dying and those who love them. It could be Mm -hmm. family, friends. And basically we come in before, during, and after a death to support people. Um, Before could look like um, the planning. What do you want it to look like when you're dying, when you're on your deathbed? What what do you want that to look like? What do you, who do you want to be there? Mm -hmm. What do you want it to smell like? What music do you want playing? That type of Mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. The during is about sitting with the person sitting with the person as they're dying. Some people call this sitting vigil. Uh, when they're actively dying, there's no point of return. It's, their death is imminent. Um, this is a very sacred time. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's beautiful and very honored. It's an honoring um, presence to be, to be there in that space. And then afterwards, it's all about helping people um, heal their grief while they're in the bereavement period Mm -hmm. Um, so 
that's basically what an end of life do, end of life doula does. I think that is amazing. As you know, I am an oncology nurse. That was the first job when I graduated like 35 years ago, just celebrated our, my 35 year nursing reunion. And I had worked in oncology in my final practice and then stepped into that. So as a young woman, just in her early twenties, I stepped into that world because the unit where I worked served as a hospice for any of our patients. We didn't have a hospice in our city at that time. Thankfully, we have wonderful hospices now. So I had the privilege, you know, to see what you're talking about, to sit with people, to hold their hand as they were dying or to witness family and support them. And it is so important because when we're in that moment, we don't necessarily have the skills. If we, if we have not been through that before, how do we know what to do? People, you know, are all over the place. So to have a calming presence, I think, um, let's highlight a little bit more about what you do in the sense of a lot of people think of, you know, palliative care, end of life care is we think of the nursing side of things like the caring and the turning and the keeping them comfortable, but it's so important, like just touch it a little bit more about sort of, it's more on the psychological and the comforting side of things. How does that weave in with the family? Okay, so um, yeah, I mean, predominantly we're non-medical. We, we, mm-hmm. we provide non-medical support, so we don't administer, um, uh, prepare any kind of medications. We don't give any kind of medical advice or diagnose any kind of medical conditions. Mm-hmm. Um, we we support people holistically. So what's kept in focus is their um, their emotional and especially their spiritual needs. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing is, in this society, um, death is seen as failure, and it's mm. something it's seen as something to be um, avoided. You know, and I mean, even the yeah. language supports it. Um, you know my person, you know, lost their fight with, you know, cancer. I was just going to say, yeah. You know, it's, or they, they're battling. My person is battling against something. But then, but then, you know, so it's something that should be fought against. But end-of-life doulas, we understand um, that it's not failure at all. It's just completion of a life. It's coming full circle. Mm. And... Wow, that one really hit. Like, oh, <laughs> I'm so, going to get emotional here. That, I love that language. Yeah, you know, it's, so, it's, we talk about it being a transition. Yeah. But I think that's the first time I've really hear. Like, it's a completion. We have completed something. And that's, it's not that we failed at something. It's now we have completed. And what beautiful languaging on that. Thank you. Thank you. Um, so I mean, and and also like in our culture, um, everything has been death has been sanitized. As soon as the person dies, they're whisked away. If you're in a hospital, they go down to the morgue. If they're in a hospice, you're just waiting for you know the funeral home to like come and, and transfer the body. Um, An end of life doula has the perspective of you don't need to rush anything. You just take your time. 
because yeah. this is so powerful. That time after somebody's um, taken their last breath for family who are there, it is so powerful and it helps them along the grieving um, and helps them move forward when they are able to spend time. Yeah. Because emotions are raw um, mm-hmm. and heavy, um, you know, and or it certainly can be. But an end-of-life yeah. doula in that space, in that dying space, can make it something so completely different by mm-hmm. giving new perspectives and sharing. And, you know, the biggest thing we do is, like, advocate for and educate people as far as, you know, before, well, this is what it could look like. This is what it could smell yeah. like. This is what it may sound like. So when yeah. you educate people, you're eliminating the fear because then all this, they understand what's happening with their person. And it just makes yeah. such a huge difference to eliminate fear. It gives freedom for people to feel the love that is being crossed between, between everyone, really, in that space. That is beautiful. And I totally know what you mean by things have been sanitized is... Really, when you think about it, 100 years ago, I would say majority of people died at home. And now most people are off somewhere else. You know, when people used to pass at home, and we are talking, obviously, about people that are either elderly and they're coming to the end of their life, or they have a terminal illness or something like that. You know, obviously, it's very different when it's a traumatic death or, you know, an accidental death. But we are talking about more that natural progression and transition. And what I've, it's, it's not that I marvel at it, but I always, you know, what's always amazing and, and, and what I try and support any of the clients or patients I've worked with you is how long it can take. It's not just, you see in the movies where it's like, oh, they take a breath and they close their eyes. That it, that's not the transition. <laughs> Typically, it can take a long time. Um, I wanted, if I could, I just want to share a little story that I know you'll appreciate on with my dad. And he passed away October of last year and he was quite beloved by, he was only in this home for eight months or so, but he was quite beloved. And I really came to appreciate that one of the directors there, like how much she had done. And she said, you know, so often when somebody passes, it would be they're whisked out the back door. They try not, let's not upset the people that live there. And her view is completely different. Her view is you came in the front door, you leave by the front door. And she felt that instead of just whisking and somebody's gone, is that they would have like a little altar or a little, you know, place where they do a picture and they show who's passed. And that the other people that are in there would know that they're going to be respected and cared for. So um, when the funeral home comes to remove somebody, um, their body is, they're actually draped in a beautiful quilt that they have. And there's an honor guard. And literally the whole place shows up. And I just think that's like that to me brings up the same emotion that what you're doing for people, right? Like it's not a matter of let's not deal with it. It's, this is going to be messy. This is going to be emotional. And that's why I'm letting my emotions show today because I want someone that's listening to know it's okay to step into those emotions. Mm -hmm. 
And there's people like you that, that you can call upon to get through it. All right. I'm going to shift the topic. <laughs> so we can That was just beautiful though. You know, that was, <laughs> I just love that Joanne. That's beautiful. And I love the idea of honor guard. I've seen it in the U S where they do that, you know, where people, um, you know, somebody has died and they're giving their body, um, you know, to science. So they're taking them down for surgery to extract their organs or whatever it be for donation or whatever. And I have seen like hallways full of all the, you know, doctors and nurses and everybody doing the honor guard. And oh my gosh, I mean, it is just, it's overwhelming. It's just so overwhelming. I talking about it, I actually just realized that I think that welled up emotion in me even more than the funeral by the time I, I mean, the funeral was, but that's a several days later. It's I've had time to prepare and process, but in that moment to see your loved one cared for that way Absolutely. was like, yeah, yeah. Really, really incredible. And, um, yeah, I, 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 I understand that just, having somebody like yourself that can come and just hold that space for people so that they can grieve. And, you know, talking about that, actually, I, I holding space, that's something we talk about and it's a common term, but I, I sure there's a lot of people that don't know what that means. Can you please explain that? Absolutely. Um, holding space is um, providing, con- it, it's compassionate, unconditional support. It's giving somebody your undivided attention. You're being fully present with them and you're Mm -hmm. deep listening. That's the bit, that's the biggest thing that's required um, in holding space is just to be fully present and deep listening. And what this does is it it provides human connection on such a deep level Mm -hmm. that that person um, who is suffering in some way, whatever whatever way that they are suffering, um, they're, they, they feel seen, and they feel heard, and they feel mm-hmm. understood. Yeah. And even even people like terminally ill people that have gone through the system, mm-hmm. they've been poked and prodded and tested, and you know all kinds of you know ten cylinder names, you know words and this stuff flown at them and everything else. And I mean, they just the the humanity has left the building. Yeah. So holding space for another is bringing humanity back into back into the space. That's beautiful. And it really is. I love the way you describe that because we're not there when someone's grieving. And, and I mean, we could have a whole conversation just on grieving today. We're focusing more on what is an end of life doula? How is, I want people to know that you can search this and maybe find someone in your area if you want someone to support you. And I'll get into some of the more businessy side of it or specifics a little bit. Um, but I just, that holding space is so important because it's not about cheering someone up. It's not about taking them out of the emotions they're having, but witnessing them and letting them know that it's okay no matter what they're feeling and going through. So very, very beautiful. And I, I, something came to mind, but I didn't want to interrupt at the time. So when you were talking about how 
people talk about losing the battle or it's fighting against something and you know what or giving up hope in some ways and i'm like oh i don't that language hurts you know for this sacred time and one of the things that i always say to people is even when there's no cure there's always space for healing and that's what i see an end of life dueling a doula sorry end of life doula being able to do is help create that sacred space of healing, healing relationships, healing a fear, healing, just, just so many things that can still be healed. So truly, truly beautiful. Now I want to step into, we're about halfway through our conversation here, and I want to step in a little bit more to sort of the service per se. Like I get the emotion of what you're doing, but I want people to truly understand that if they were going to avail themselves to a service like this, that they would know how. But first of all, I have heard and I've read there are different types of end-of-life doulas or different specialties within an end-of-life doula. Is that, can you explain those? And do you have one that you specialize in? Yeah, there's, um, end-of-life doulas provide all kinds of services. Um, It really runs a gamut of um, legacy work, um, you know, mm. what kind of legacy do you want to leave behind? That could look like um, filming videos of people telling their stories, um, mm. compiling books and stories or compiling stories to make a book. Okay. Um, all kinds of things like that. Other doulas are into um, advanced care planning, which is hugely okay. important, actually. But some really specialize in that. Um you know, so when you're not able to speak for yourself, what kind, what, how, what does your care look like in your mind? Um, you know, if you're in a car accident or something and you're in the ICU, do you want to be ventilated? Do you want, you know, at what point of, uh, you know, do you want to have everything stopped? Um, that type of thing. That's interesting. So jewelers can be very, you can, in a sense, advocate or support people through that decision-making. Um, I want you to continue on that, but if you could at some point touch base on if some, when someone hires a doula, is it typically the person knowing they're at this stage or brought in by the family or could it be either or both? Um, yeah, it can be all of the above. Okay. It can be all of the above. Typically what happens is, um, if a person has been diagnosed with a terminal illness, like um, everything's kind of been done, it's time you got to get your affairs in order um, and they're given some sort of timeline usually. Um, if people don't have a lot of family support, they'll reach out on their own. Okay. If they do, um, typically it's a spouse who's primary caregiver who will reach out. Okay. Um, it could also just be a friend. I mean, the dynamics are just so all over the place. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Like the LGBTQ um, community, a lot of them, um, their fam- they don't have a lot of like family, like blood people that support them. So there's all right. kinds of chosen family that they have. So they may have like a friend or a partner or something reach out. Okay. Um, and would hire my services. And then I, you know, of course that they're typically my, they would be considered my client. Um, although the person dying is always... Um, kept in focus. They're the, they're the primary focus. Right. Right. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah. And so you were talking, some of them do that legacy work and peace. W- what do you specialize in? 
So I do, um, I do various things. Um, I do mostly uh, deal with people that are dying. I'm dealing like with the really messy stuff <laughs> that, um, so I support people that choose made, for example, medical existence in dying. My um, specialty itself is sitting with the dying, sitting with the actively dying. Um, I intuitively um, calm them. Mm-hmm. And I, um, I really am bridging this life and the next with, mm-hmm. with that calm. And it's all, it's, it's intuitive work. Mm-hmm. Um, when I'm alone sitting with somebody, if there's a family not available or they're just on a break or something, um, I work in silence, whether or not, uh, the dying person, the dying person is responsive. Um, I'm, I'm working in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, when family is present, I so encourage questions so that mm-hmm. they're going to be able to move forward easier, you know, and make kind of like a be- uh, looking for more positive outcomes and better experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's basically what I do. I yeah, do, do it's so that. important. I have found over the years, just the, what has been reflected back to me or I've heard other friends and family say is that even when if say a nurse or or some sort of caregiver whether it's the nurse or the personal aide or the personal service where there's so many different names depending on where you live and you know end of life doula is that sometimes they don't always know the questions it's good to ask the questions but just if they if they speak if they share this is what could be happening i know Um, if I go back to 2009, when my mom passed away in September of that year, interesting on her 84th birthday, like she, she was born and passed on the same day. And my sister and I were there and my sister was very happy, very spiritual, very intuitive. And was in fact, that morning I phone, I I knew mom hadn't woken up the day before. So I knew it was going to be imminent. And before I even phoned my sister to say, I think you need to drive out. She phoned me and said, I'm packing the car. I dreamt about mom. I'm coming (laughs) like phenomenal. So people have that intuition. So I really encourage people to tap into it, Mm -hmm. but also just if somebody has been through the experience, having someone like you to be able to share or what's happening now and turn to them and ask what's happening now. What can we maybe expect? Like that is so valuable. Um, I'm going to change the topic just a little bit here because it dawned on me that, you know, it's such a unique career that you're doing right now. I'm sure that when you were in grade four and the teachers going write about what you want to be when you grow up, this was not on your radar. This is not something we talk about. We don't talk about necessarily with children. You know, just briefly, can you share a bit of your journey? What what made you become an end-of-life doula? Or what led you to become an end-of-life doula? That's probably better wording. Okay. Um, well, my mom died in 2016, and my husband died um, just a little over a year later. Um, uh, in 2017 and with having been, um, around both, uh, I kind of saw where there was, 
there was a lot of gaps and there was a lot of questions and there was a lot of kind of chaos in, in people's minds, um, especially mm-hmm. with my husband, because I was very, you know, I mean, I was primary caregiver and um, I was, you know, to the doctor's appointments, you know, every single one of them and all his treatments. And I like, just saw everything. And I just saw like, you know, like it, something could be like so much better, but even then I wasn't really, you know, it wasn't on my radar. Mm-hmm. After he died, it took me a couple of years to kind of, you know, get a grip um, and kind of think that I need to like get back into life somehow. What am I going to do? Yeah. Um, so I started looking at volunteering. Um, and uh, so I started volunteering for Alberta Health Services for NODA, which is an acronym for No One Dies Alone. So basically within um, the hospitals in the city, if there's somebody dying and there's no family or the family's in respite, um, like having a break. Um, I'm called in uh, to sit with that person who's actively dying. And typically there's, you know, 24 to 48 hours left kind of thing. And Mm -hmm. um, so I started doing that and I thought, and, um, and I, and I remembered, you know, how beautiful it was when my husband died, I was right there as he took his last breath. Um, It was beautiful. And so to be able to sit with the actively dying, then, I mean, it was still that same experience, even though I didn't know them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that part kind of really blew my mind, you know. Yeah, um, yeah it, was, it was good. So, um, so you later on, had I, a gift. <laughs> you yeah. have a gift to be, you know, to naturally. I think anyone can do it, but you have a natural gift to be able to sit in that energy in that presence. Yeah, yeah, and like, who knew that this would, you know, like this was so. I mean, even for funerals, if there was like an open casket funeral, I was at the back and you know saying, "Yeah, I'm good here," kind of thing, right? But now, and interesting, now, like, like I'm, yeah, yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah. So, how does someone train to be considered, or, or is there training, specific, like, is there formal training to then call yourself? a end of life doula or is it something that you simply do and this is the title that gets given to it yeah no there's uh definitely there's training there's formal training out there um there's all kinds of different training different teachers um i went through the douglas college out of bc um so uh yeah there's 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 lots of different courses that a person can do and the teachers so you just got to find what resonates with you. Some people are more into like nature and this type of thing, mm-hmm. nature mm-hmm. And, you know ritual which is absolutely I mean we all as humans um, depend on ritual for so many things. Absolutely. Um, I think that's something missing in our you know quite often North American society is is missing ritual. It helps us transition and work our way through different stages of life. We're getting close to the end of our call. And I know that we could absolutely keep on talking. I would love to invite you back in the future. There's a couple topics, you know, like just talking about grief and, and going into that more or talking about like the MAID programs. I know that's not available everywhere, but People are curious about it, you know, and it can be controversial. People have very strong opinions, but I think it's important. It's out there. It's part of what's going on. And I think it's really important for people to know what services they can avail themselves to and what goes on with that. So I'd love to have you back in the future. But before you leave, I'm just wondering if you might have, say, three pearls of wisdom for anyone out there that is either themselves has a diagnosis that they feel will 
end their life sooner than they initially anticipated or a family member? Um, I don't know that there's really three because everything just kind of goes into one. Okay. Well, (laughs) what is your one big tip? My one big thing is just keep life simple. Simplicity Mm. is key. Um, Slow down. What's the race? Like just slow down and listen. And, you know, I mean, it's so cliche. Oh yeah. You know, I appreciate, appreciate your relationships and everything, but I mean, there's, when you really slow down and just kind of step back out of the rat race, it it's um, you can it's it's tangible. I mean, you can really feel mm. it. Um, and and just stop and listen. Like sit in silence just for a few minutes. So many of us have lost that ability because we need podcasts, <laughs> we need we need radio, we need a, a TV, we need something, we need some sort of like stimulation constantly. But when you turn that off and you just breathe, this is where it's at. And I mean, people that are dying on their deathbeds, they are not saying, you know, oh, I wish I, you know, I'm really missing right now my Porsche or I'm really missing right now my $2 million house or my, you know, fabulous, you know, wolf, um, you know, appliances or what have you, you know, they're all about relationships. I wish I had said this to somebody. I wish I had said I had loved them to them before they died or, Mm -hmm. So it's just keep everything simple. Just peel off the layers. It's like an onion. And when you right get down to that core, that's where it's at. Beautiful. Oh, what a fantastic conversation, Janet. I so appreciate you being here, your ability to have this conversation and bring grace and ease around a difficult topic for many people. And I wish you all the best. And, and I know that the people that you work with are truly blessed with your gift. So until we have you on a future call, um, we so appreciate you being here. You can, if you're listening to this podcast, then you can check out the show notes. You can um, see how to reach out to Janet. And and um, Janet, just very briefly, if someone reaches out to you, but they're not in your area, like, can you maybe point someone in the right direction or if people just say end of life doula in their area, like is, will that just pop up on the internet? Is that how someone would search? Um, for myself in general or for any end of life doula? I think I, I'm thinking anyone because our podcast goes out all over the world. Yeah. yeah. I can definitely, my network is huge and okay. I can definitely uh, make referrals to appropriate people. Fantastic. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful. Or just even, even just searches, just general searches in Google end of life doula and their city. Excellent. And I'm going to, I haven't nailed you for this yet, but I'm hoping that we can create a blog with some of your wonderful wisdom as well. So that if you're listening to this, you can also go to the website at www.fabulous850.com and uh, go into the blog and search and we'll have some information there as well as, um, you know, this uh, podcast as well. So thank you so much, Janet. And thank you everyone for listening in and we'll see you next week. Thanks so much, Joanne. Thank you so much for tuning in today. But before you leave, I'm curious, 
What pearl of wisdom are you taking away from today's episode? I do hope it held some inspiration or information for you to live your best life. If you are not yet part of our sisterhood, I invite you to join our community by visiting our website, fabulousat50.com, and you'll receive a free copy of our ebook, Make Mind Fabulous, 21 Ways to Energize Your Life. It is packed with loads of tips and tricks. Plus, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to this podcast and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Remember, keep choosing fabulous. It's never too late to live the life you deserve. Catch you on the next episode.